welcome back to the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Uh, we are back today with another installment of our Talking Markets podcast series where we do like to catch up with industry colleagues, partners to hear their thoughts on a range of market and macro topics, as well as spend some time on portfolio positioning. So uh, joining me actually at the table here in 1285 Avenue of the Americas, it's great to have back with us uh, from Invesco, global market strategist Brian Levitt. Uh, Brian, great to be with you here. Well, today. Thank Welcome you very back. much. It's great to be here. And there's a lot to talk about. So I know our listeners are looking forward to hearing your insights into a range of topics. Let's get right into it. Timely to bring up, thinking back to last week, we had that January CPI print. And of course, last year, a lot of focus on the Fed's efforts to combat inflation. Seems like some progress was made, but that CPI print did raise some eyebrows last week. So I'm curious, what does the data say about the progress made by the Fed to combat inflation? And what are your thoughts at this point for the timing of rate cuts? Well, the Federal Reserve should feel reasonably comfortable or reasonably uh, satisfied in what they've accomplished. We've gone from a 9.6% inflation rate year over year to 3.1. Now, the markets were hoping there would be a two-handle on that, so we could call it a little bit of a miss or a little bit of a disappointment. But the reality is goods inflation no longer a problem, right? That was the big deal. We couldn't get enough things on the shelf. That's no longer an issue. There's some components of service that remain a little sticky, uh, one of it being shelter. And part of that might just be with how the Bureau of Labor Statistics calculates shelter. Um, so that'll likely come down or moderate uh, in the in the coming months. So I look at it from the perspective of uh, we should be feeling pretty comfortable. Remember, the Fed's goal is price stability. From my perspective, we're now back in a world of, of relative price stability, which is a which is a big accomplishment. Jumping around a bit, we're making our way through the late innings of the Q4 reporting season. I, I think for many, it's a prize for the better week over week, you know, getting some decent results. So what are your thoughts on earnings growth expectations as we make our way through the balance of 2024? Yeah, you're right. It really has been better than people expected. And I, I would say the last 18 months or so, the story in the economy is things that have gotten better, or maybe the last 15 months, better than what people thought. A lot thought we'd be in a recession by now. So earnings growth was was good. Uh, not all sectors, right? Tech led a lot of it, but you're likely to see a, another 10% increase in earnings, um, you know, over $230 a share on the S&P 500, so a very strong number. Things will moderate here. Remember, we're still waiting on the lagged effects of all this policy tightening. And so nominal growth will moderate, which means earnings growth will likely moderate. But there's little to suggest that we're heading into a, a particularly challenging environment with regards to earnings. Companies seem to still be quite well positioned. So I would say slowdown, but not uh, anything more meaningful than that. So are U.S. equity valuations, in your view, given that, are they justified at this time? Or do you feel that we're too rich at the moment? We're not too rich. There are a handful of names that are trading at elevated valuations. Those are the mag. Seven. What, are they seven? Are they six? Or five? You know, or is it Fang? Is it whatever? Right. So there's a handful, but those are the companies that have big growth expectations. So the market bids them up in expectation that they will grow into those multiples. The rest of the market is not particularly overvalued. If you were to take an equal weight index, mm -hmm. 
and look at the valuation, it's just in line with its long-term average. So it's not necessarily cheap Mm -hmm. compared to its history, but it's right in line with the long-term average. So the average S&P 500 stock is not overvalued. There's a handful of names that we could debate, but again, these are the companies that have been delivering results. And I do want to check back in on asset allocation. We'll talk equities, fixed income in a few moments. But just taking a step back, looking at the U.S. economy, how would you characterize its current condition? I know there's always fears, concerns, maybe in the back of some heads about a recession occurring at some point this year. What are your thoughts there? When I look for a recession, I look at four main guideposts on the path to it. First, do we have too much leverage and excess in the economy? economy? I would suggest no. This is not a story of leverage. Second, you would look, have we seen significant policy tightening? So sure, and the inversion of the yield curve. But the reality is rates have gone up a lot. But when there's not a lot of leverage, it may not hit the same way it has in the past. So the economy's been able to move through that. You Third, I like to look at corporate borrowing costs. So credit spreads, very behaved. And and finally, what are the bankers doing? And so the bankers had been tightening lending standards, probably because so many economists were telling them we're going into a recession. And now that the, the mood seems to be more along the lines of a soft landing, the bankers are actually starting to ease up a bit. So none of that would suggest recession to me, at least in the near term. And you know, when I think about investing, that would be my first question is, do I feel comfortable taking on risk? Well, where are we in the cycle? Now, within it, you know, you have different regimes of growth within the cycle. Growth is likely to be below trend and slowing. Not a bad thing. Remember, we tighten policy to slow things down. The question is whether that slowdown is the proverbial soft landing or whether it's a a crash and burn. Uh, And so, uh, you know, I'm I'm of the mind that it'll be a soft landing. But the tail risk is that something uh, cracks in the economy that we don't foresee right now. So I do want to revisit risk a bit later in the conversation. But against that backdrop you shared with us, let's look at the asset allocation table a bit. One of our key messages and focus here at the UBS Chief Investment Office is buy quality when it comes to both equities and fixed income. So we can jump around a bit, maybe starting with fixed income, any subsectors within that look attractive at this time? A lot of investors right now seem to like money market for obvious reasons. Cash-like instruments, you can get 5 or greater than 5% yields without a lot of volatility. Now, the problem with that is there is embedded risk in it. It is the reinvestment risk. And so when the Federal Reserve does lower interest rates, you will be resetting ever lower. That's not ideal. I've told people if you like 5% for 30 days, you should like it for 10 or 30 years. So I I look out whether it's municipal bonds, corporate bonds, even treasuries of, of longer maturity. They look quite attractive to me. The Fundamentals in the municipal and corporate bond markets are strong. And, you know, it was only 2019 where people were begging for a 4% yield. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you used to have to go out to high yield bonds to get it or or maybe Russian sovereign debt to get 4%. Now you can get it in quality municipal bonds, quality corporates and longer maturity treasuries. It seems to me that's where investors should be looking. What about on the equity side and the sector preferences in particular? You know, right now, when we're looking at our regime analysis, it's telling us that this is still a risk on environment. It's still an environment where, you know, growth may be 
not as robust as it once was, but that the market still believes in the sustainability of that growth. And in a recovery phase, you want to be more exposed to the cyclical sectors. You want to be more exposed to smaller market cap, um, maybe even some international markets. Now, Look, I, I suspect as the year goes on, we'll see more of a slowdown trade emerge. That slowdown is more higher quality, larger cap. But if you're thinking over the next couple of years, will we finally be out of the bizarre COVID environment? We'll have lowered rates. We'll have normalized the yield curve. Inflation no longer a problem. That should be a broader market. And to me, that would be cyclicals the cyclical sectors, that would be smaller cap. Um, so I'm optimistic over the next couple Not of years. Not about the underperformance recently of small caps? Well, think about what happened in November and December. November and December, you got a year's, if not more, worth of performance in small and mid caps, a 20% return in small cap in, in two months. And that was because the market priced in six interest rate, interest rate cuts, we're so used to saying hikes, interest rate cuts <laughs> immediately. And now we're backing them out a bit. Sure. Right, growth's strong, economy's reasonably strong. So now, oh, maybe it'll only be three cuts, maybe it'll only be four cuts. And, and so in that, it's been a move out of, you know, small, you've had small cap underperformance. But if we get back to the environment where we become more convinced that easing is happening and the yield curve will normalize, historically, that does benefit um, size and value. Outside of the U.S., any regions or even anything within EM look attractive at this time? Yeah, you know, if you look at different parts of the world, like a China, or, or if you go to the developed world, like a U.K. or the or Germany, you'll have noticed that their economies had some challenging times, right? Maybe even defined recession environments in certain places. Now, the market prices that in ahead of time. What you want to look for is, well, what's the next most likely stage? And it seems like you may be getting a recovery in in those three regions. A lot of that's going to have to do with, with some level, particularly China, with some level of policy support. So recovery creates a better backdrop for risk assets. The Then the question is, comes back to the Fed, right? And the dollar's been quite strong because the yields are very high here. Well, when do those yields start to come down? Does that start to alleviate some pressure on the dollar? Then money starts to look for where valuations are attractive, and, and that'll be outside the U.S. So, you know, that might be the one thing that surprises investors. They've underperformed in international markets for a while. They're hearing, they're reading headlines about poor growth. Focus on the, you know, are things getting better or worse? Not good or bad. They're not good, but they're, they're likely to get better. Interesting. And then in terms of risks, just revisiting, you alluded to this a bit earlier, anything, there's a lot of no-knowns, but of course, anything can happen. As we know, anything on your radar throughout the course of this year that, you know, you're monitoring in the back of your head? The biggest risk is that the world has now become attuned to a soft landing in the United States. That's become everybody's favorite term, soft landing or, or Goldilocks. And the Federal Reserve has not often accomplished that in their tenure, right? It's, you know, one of the things that I learned is that cycles don't die of old age. They're almost always murdered by the Federal Reserve with interest rate hikes. So there's a reason why that saying exists. Can they get through this? We've seen it, 95, maybe 2015. Precedent. Yeah, yeah, seen precedent of where you can get the Fed's maybe too tight, they back off, and, and the cycle continues. But that would be the risk. Um, 
you know, now that it's become consensus, I think I'm supposed to be embarrassed to say I'm in the soft landing camp, but I am in the soft landing camp. The the challenge is the longer they stay tight with regards to monetary policy, the, the more issues that could emerge. The good news is not a lot of leverage in the economy. That's the good news, which is why I, I'm still lean soft landing. But to me, that would be the risk. This is a market that's priced now for a good economic outcome. Anything in the way of final thoughts, takeaways, anything you would like to reinforce for our clients, our listeners? Yeah, I, I think what we've gone through over the last number of years is first and foremost a reminder of why we need to stick to plans. This has been a very, very challenging environment, and yet we're working our way through it Um this is a unique environment. This is not the rest of our lives. We went through a pandemic. People then had too much money and the world didn't have enough stuff. An inflation scare, which leads to tightening, which leads to a growth scare and fears of a recession. We're coming out of it. We're, when the Federal Reserve eases, when we're all convinced inflation is back at reasonable level, at a reasonable rate, that's finally the end of the COVID environment. And I'm very much looking forward to it. If you look historically, peak inflation, peak interest rates, peak policy tightening almost always favors stocks over the subsequent years. A positive note to end on. Well, Brian, thank you very much for dropping by a Great Talking Markets with you today. And we'll be sure to have you back as we see how conditions evolve throughout 2024. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy. 